This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 396 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Auditor, Melody Hollis, plus Horses in the Middle Ages. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Dr. Rose's Remedies and Uncle Jimmy's, plus our auditors, you. Auditor Melody Hollis drives in for the Listener of the Week, and Auditor Ken Hubert does this month's Horses in History with a look at Horses in the Middle Ages. Listen in. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. We'll bring you the news through hail or high water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. This is Glenn the Geek. And this is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, howdy, Helena. What's up, my bud? I'm just down here in Florida doing our thing. Actually, I just got home from Road to the Horse, so I'm trying to recover. You're always trying to recover from I know, something. No, I'm trying to recover, but that's what it get. That's what you get when you travel, right? I know. And do well, 80 and shows you're always traveling, right? <laughs> and do eighty shows a week. Speaking of doing eighty shows a week, uh, how's your new project coming? It is coming along so nicely. I absolutely love it. Well, it's for a new lot of listeners, fun. let's remind them that Helena's starting for the first time her her own show called That Newport Show. Yep, thatnewportshow.com. Um, if you've been following along, I mean, Glenn and I have been sort of talking about this for the last couple of weeks. I was inspired at PodFest to do something local. My other passion besides horses is um, going on adventures with my sweetheart, Buck, and we often find ourselves in Newport, Rhode Island, which is seriously just the most adorable little town in the entire country. So we decided to chronicle our adventures um, in Newport on that Newport show. And if Helena was a bird, she could fly to Newport in about 10 minutes. But not because, even. <laughs> because she's not a bird, she has to drive to Newport. And because of where she sits and Newport sits, there's this big body of water in the middle. So she has to drive up and around and down. It takes about an hour. But if you literally, if you had <laughs> wings, you could get there in five minutes. <laughs> you could I, I could. I could probably swim across the river. If I was a little more fit, I could swim across the river very quickly. Um but it's that's okay. Cool we town. it's good to it's good that that the route by car is far enough because it really keeps if Little Compton were to have even a fraction of the traffic that comes through Newport, it would completely <laughs> decimate the town. So they're sister towns, but um they're they're extremely different and perfectly so. So it's nice for People from Newport to come over to Little Compton for some peace and quiet, and people from Little Compton to go over to Newport for some fun. So. When we first started going to Newport years ago when I was a kid. Uh, we, my family all lived in Connecticut, uh, just across the Rhode Island border, so we used to go to Newport. And in those days, you had to take the ferry. There wasn't a bridge from the, from from Jamestown. the Connecticut side, right? There wasn't yeah. a bridge. So we had to take the ferry, which we always thought was really cool when we were a kid, right? 
and then they built that terrifying bridge. Uh, it was I just you know me and bridges anyway, but I you know, have a bridge phobia. But this thing was two lanes, narrow, went straight up, straight down, <laughs> and at the top had this metal grating. And it oh seemed God, like every time we would go there, it'd be raining. So you'd get to the top, and your car would go <laughs> side to side across. Oh God! That sound was horrible. I hated that bridge. That it, was it's a I'm new bridge a now, right? That's gone. They completely redid it. Oh, um, but I want to find a picture. Does of it that have the terrifying because... grating at the top still? No. No. Good. No, but it was when you hit that grating up there. My God, you you you. <laughs> And you if it was windy and raining and you hit the grating, you were screwed. I mean, you were over the side. I mean, Try going over just... it when it's snowing. Oh, man, that would get icy because it was metal gray. It made no freaking sense to me. <laughs> just didn't. Well, it, I think it used to be a, a draw. So not a draw yeah. or I don't know what the grating was there for. That was well, I probably, would probably for my... expansion or something. But 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 when you got up there, it was so high. And then when you, I mean, it literally was high. And that's when, the thing. It was so narrow and narrow. It was only two lanes. So if something it's happened, deep. you were in an accident. <laughs> there was nothing. There was no you room know, for was, no leeway. <laughs> they did have little barriers on each side. They're, they're small barriers. Yeah, they were the little short ones. I know, but still, at least it's something. <laughs> that was the most terrifying bridge. I hated that bridge. So when we would go, when after they built the bridge, they still ran the ferry for a while. I don't know if they still do, but they still ran the ferry yeah. for a while, so we would take the ferry instead of going on the bridge. No, Well, it's a very modern, sleek bridge oh, today, good, good. but it's still uh, you would still not like it because there, there are no rails. Like there's, oh, the there's low no rails? Yeah. yeah. I like and the it's big still hybrids. high. It's still pretty high. <laughs> I like not, not being able to see over the bridge. I know. Yeah. Did they I make know. it wider than two, two lanes? Um. Yes. Yeah, I okay. think it's four now. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> um, But I, I, well, someday I'm going to tell the story of me going over the Williamstown Bridge at night in the dark and getting on the bike lane in my car. Oh. At least I, I thought it was the bike lane. It felt like the bike lane. I thought I was going swimming in my car, but that's a story for No, don't episode. tell me I'll get sweaty in there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, if you want to check I'll, out... I'll save that one for when I'm mad at you. If you want to hear more stories like this and the horrifying adventures of Newport, Rhode Island, then head over to thatnewportshow.com. Well, we are going to head right to an auditor today. We have, we have nothing but auditors on the show today, our listeners. And, of course, if you don't know what an auditor is, if you're a new listener, those are people that choose to, because they see some value in the shows that we do, they choose to donate a little bit every month towards the hosts and the operation of the Horse Radio Network by becoming an auditor for as little as a dollar a month. And the nice part about the auditors is we really get to know them personally, and, and they take pride in the shows and want to help out. And that's where Ken comes in. Ken is one of our very few male auditors. <laughs> I think there's six of us now. And he said he wants to do some horses and history segments. And, of course, that's what we do here once a month on Stable Scoop. So he's helping us out today. He's been studying up on horses in the Middle Ages. Let's go to Ken Hebert. Well, hi, Ken. Welcome to the Horses and History segment. Thank you very much, Glenn. We're so glad that you're doing this today. And it was you that actually that on the auditor's page about a month ago said, I wish they'd do more on history. And, and then, then I think I threw it back to all of you and said, well, get working. Get working. <laughs> chop, chop. Yeah, okay, get working. We love doing history segments. It's just that they're so time-consuming and the prep yep. is so long that we just haven't had time to do as many as we like. Helena got a lot of nice comments on the Narragansett Pacer that she did here a while back, and we're going to do it once a month, and we appreciate you helping out. Now, why did you pick the horses in the Middle Ages as, a, as an area you wanted to cover? 
well, is this something I knew nothing about? And I know in the past you did your acting and stuff like that. So I, I thought um, it would fit right in. And I like that. There's yeah. a little drama. Yeah, that's little, right. It's kind of dramatic. <laughs> yeah. what, are you, what are you saying, Ken? We're a little drama here. <laughs> for those that don't know, I had an acting company for 10 years called the Medieval Feasting Guild. And we did uh, medieval feasts and we kind of set them back in the Middle Ages before the Renaissance. So tell us about horses in the Middle Ages. Well, first of all, I'm going to start off with a question, Glenn. Oh, yeah. And what do you think about horses in the Middle Ages? What's your first impression? Well, I, I know a little bit. They were, they tended to be, a lot of them tended to be a little bit larger. They were kind of the cross drafts um, that they would ride that the, that you always think about what the knights used, right? But most of the horses in the Middle Ages pulled carts, pulled plows, were workhorses. Uh, that you would see around. Uh, there were probably, I don't know, my guess is there were less riding horses as there were driving and workhorses. More workhorses. Actually, that is absolutely incorrect. Oh, wow, there you go. <laughs> All of it. Yeah, I was shocked. I was shocked. Um, so, actually, in the Middle Ages, the roads were terribly bad. Um, they had very poor roads, so actually, carriages, um, other than on farms and in big towns like or cities like London, were actually very rare. Um, carriages were almost never used uh, for passengers. Mm. Um, mm. That's like off-roading yeah. today, right? Yeah, exactly. Would, you wouldn't want to do it because um, they didn't have a strap suspension until almost the 15th century. Oh, really? So you wouldn't want to ride <laughs> uh, in, in a carriage back then. Um, and even I was surprised sad, side saddle was actually extremely rare, too. So just about everybody, including women, rode horses like you would ride now. You straddle them. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And one another thing. Another big misconception is most horses were these big 18-hand draft horses. Actually, the average size for the horses in the Middle Ages was between 13 and 14 hands. Now, that I can see because, well, to me, most of the activity taking place in the world was in Europe, right? In the Middle Ages, yep. Europe and Eurasia. Yep. And, you know, the I think ponies of that area, they're hardy, yep. right? And they would make yep. great workhorses. They could survive the, I don't want to, I don't mean to, to say this in a bad way, but sort of the ignorance or lack of knowledge yep. of their human partners. So they could live, they could basically survive whatever they were put through. Yep. So I was really surprised. Um, most of the, like the working horses on the farms, they were actually some of the smallest. They were usually between 13 and 14 hands. Some of the bigger horses that the knights would use would maybe top off at like 15-1, 15-2. Because there's a big misconception that the armor that knights used was very heavy. When in reality, most of the armor that most um, knights used was around uh, 60 pounds. Um, and the knights tended to be littler guys too. Yeah, they weren't. Everybody the, yeah, was smaller back yeah. then. But one of the funniest things is most people who rode horses, like for every day and stuff like that, 
um, the knights and nobility and stuff like that, they actually, for their everyday riding horses and for transportation, rode gated horses, hmm. which I did not know. So to me, that is just absolutely hilarious. Um, I can just imagine seeing a knight going down the road. Uh, <laughs> riding a Pasifino. A Pasifino. <laughs> Because <laughs> it completely just flies in 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 the, our impression of of people of the knights riding these big giant horses and can't and you so see on, a so tournament with jousting with the two Pasifinos coming at each other? It'd be, <laughs> that, that would be my kind of jousting. Tournament. It'd be like slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of thinking. No, they're very smooth. Gated horses. I know, but it'd be funny yeah. as hell. They don't it get anywhere. Be. They're they're just yeah. going, and they don't get anywhere. <laughs> I know. Oh, that God. sounds like a Benny Hill thing right there. That's, that's hilarious. hilarious. Saturday <laughs> Night Live. They did have their war horses, which were usually stallions, but again, they were usually maybe around fifteen two, at the most. And they actually had a reputation of being extremely hot horses, uh, ones that they used uh, to bring into battle. And about the closest modern horse would be like a Frisian Andalusian cross. Yeah, okay. That's what I think when I think of medieval yeah. horses. But they you? actually didn't ride those every day. They only used those uh, like in battles or in competitions. So if there was a knight going off to war somewhere, he'd actually bring around five horses or more with him. And uh, while he was going there, he would ride his equivalent of a pacifino. He'd ride the station wagon. To exactly. Get the, yeah, yeah. And, the station wagon. And they would bring the other horses uh, with them to battle. Hmm. Wow. Now, what, kinda, what saddles I, were they using back then? Now, yeah, I did uh, do a bunch of research on that. They, they actually had um, a solid tree saddles back then. And they did have a high cantle and high pummel. And uh, quite often they used like a saddle cloth too. Looking more like the McClellan saddles from, from yeah. the Civil War time. Yeah. yeah. Or if you have like a Western saddle, but you bring up the pommel and the cantle quite a bit, then uh, those are the kind of saddles. Now, actually, the bits was interesting in that they actually used the, almost the same kind of bits we'd be familiar with today with a, a snaffle bit or, and a curb bit. And later on in the Middle Ages, they used like a bradoon, so the, the, what you use in upper-level dressage. Another thing was interesting was saddles, um, I mean stirrups, were um, invented in China and brought over and commonly used in Europe in about the 8th century. Wow. So before that, they didn't have stirrups. They rode without stirrups. Wow, that's, so that's like no stirrups November taken to the extreme. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Holy cow. You, yeah. you know, the, I, I have this, this vision in my head. I, I'm just now getting around to thinking about my answer to your original question, which is what do you think of horses in the Middle Ages? I also think about um, Robin Hood, you know, and the terrain and riding through the woods on some thoroughbred-type looking mount. But then, so now you're thinking about the saddles with, the, so they're deep saddles. They yep. may or may not have had um, stirrups, but they certainly had some good brakes. They had yep. the same, pretty much the same hardware in their mouth. The terrain at that time, I mean, where were, where were the most, most of the horses used? As you said, the roads are really bad, but were, did you find anything about, you know, 
riding through the woods or across country or the endurance of these horses? Most of the time they could put on about uh, 30 miles a day. Okay. And okay. that was taking the, the back roads, I guess you could say. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah. There were and no there were no highways. <laughs> there were no highways. And actually carts were were not that common, mostly in towns and cities and for for short distances. But for long hauls, they actually used mule trains hmm. and also barges. So they used a lot of the water and stuff like that as much as possible. It's really hard to find information on the training. Uh, some people asked me about the training, but actually between Xenophon, which was um, about 400 BC, and about one of the first writing books was written in uh, 1550 by an Italian called The Rules of Writing. Also in the 1600s, there's some books on training horses that these were the the trainers that the kings used uh, to train them how to ride and that. So they had some money so they could afford to, to get b books published because big, back then books were extremely expensive. Now, were they, did you get into eat, uh, food at all? Or, you know, was it all grazing or did they actually make hay and grain? Yeah, they, yeah. Did, they did. One of the biggest advancements with horses in the Middle Ages was how they did farming. So before the Romans used oxes, and with oxes, they could only do about half an acre a day. But with horses, they could do about an acre a day. And it also enabled them to go from a two-field rotation to a three-crop rotation. So they were able to uh, really drastically increase their farm yields. And with that, they were able to make some horse feeds. It's a lot of work. Yeah. And um, also, uh, the horse harnesses were invented uh, back then, and horses could draw uh, or pull about a weight of about 1,500 pounds using like a four-wheeled wagon. And uh, what was interesting is they usually actually pulled them in tandem. So if there are two horses, there are one in front of each other, which the horses can actually pull uh, more weight doing that compared to side to side. So somebody um, was really thinking about, so they, they experienced a lot of problems yeah. because they were relying so heavily on these horses at the time, which then led to a lot of solutions, you yeah. know, the development of the harness or whatever. So they really blazed some, some trails for those of us who, I mean, a lot of this equipment has not changed in hundreds no. of years. Yeah, exactly. It's quite amazing. A lot of the training, because in, a, in about the 14, uh, the 1600s, when you, if you read some of those first books, they were actually the foundations of dressage. So that's when they actually started doing like Piaf and Passage and stuff like that, which is quite amazing. And that wasn't that for sort of control um, while they're in battle? Yeah, but it was more of the kings and stuff like that. It was quite uh, an honor because they didn't have Ferraris and stuff like that back then. So... The fancy horses were the Ferraris of the days. So when you had your extremely high-trained horses, the kings liked to show it off. It was like mm -hmm. a showpiece for them. 
Interesting. Horses were used as gifts a lot back then too. Um, yeah, yeah. You would. Now, did everybody? You know, was it a time like everybody has cars now? Did everybody have horses, or was that pretty no, much for the middle to upper no. class? It was like the middle class and the upper class for yeah. sure. But they had people where you could rent horses from. So if you're going from town to town, they actually had what they called hackney, hackney men, and you could rent a horse and go to the next town, for example. Now, did you have to have a credit card or could you use a debit card? <laughs> uh, did yeah. you have to show ID? Uh, <laughs> that I'm not quite sure, <laughs> but they did quite often brand those horses so they didn't get stolen. Uh, makes ah, sense. I was yeah. thinking about that, wondering about that. They really yeah. are like Ferraris. And, <laughs> <laughs> there were people who bought and sold horses, of course. And um, just like today, they had a bad reputation. <laughs> so no. not much that's never changed, changed. <laughs> no <Yeah>. horse training <laughs> that's funny well this is very interesting you know i'm so glad you brought it because you're right it was a good thing to ask me that question in the beginning because i did have a lot of misconceptions almost all the ho- all the horses that they rode back then the breeds actually do not exist anymore i was gonna um, ask you about breeds yeah yeah they were all because back then, they actually never categorized their horses by their breed. Mm. They categorized them by what the horses would do. To plow horses or, you know. Yeah, yeah. so they had their, you know, riding horses. They had their war horses. Uh, and they had their farm horses. And they would have, like, different grades and stuff like that. Um, but they never had, like, thoroughbreds. How about um, did you that did you learn any? That makes total sense. That makes total. Yeah, it sense. does actually it makes more sense. Did you actually did you run across anything about veterinary care or what? There um, was? no, they didn't have vets. Uh, they but they definitely had farriers, and they horseshoes were actually very common and at this time metal horseshoes that we're all familiar with today was commonly used uh, back then by your farrier and. In most cases, the farrier would also help with veterinary care. Yeah, it makes sense. Like your dentist used to do doctoring, too, in the old days. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, Ken, thank you so much for bringing this You're to us. Welcome. We really appreciate it. That was fun. Thank you very much. I learned something, Glenn. Can you come back yeah, again? <laughs> Pick another age. I want my own caravan. I want to reproduce 19th century America and... uh yeah, let's let's. I need to know exactly what has to be done to get from New York to California in a covered wagon. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> Thanks, Ken. You're very welcome. Thank you, Have a Ken. Great day. That was awesome. Dr. Rose's Remedies Skin Treatment Salve and Spray are 100% all-natural products. They are anti-inflammatory, antibacterial, antiviral, and antifungal. Dr. Rose's are made with all human-grade ingredients and are safe and effective for treatment for all manner of cuts and scrapes on your horse. And Dr. Rose's is the must-have product here at the Horse Radio Network headquarters to keep PT Scooter's delicate white pasterns free from dew poisoning and scratches. Ask for Dr. Rose's at your local tax store or feed supplier or visit them online at drrosesremedies.com. That's drrosesremedies.com. Music 
And now for our listener segment, we have a lovely young lady that I met a couple of times. Jennifer, I met her actually. She came up to Road to the Horse. I think I saw her there twice. She came up to visit when we were there last couple of years and also has come over for our listener get-together at Rolex at Cross Country Day and walked around with us most of the day. So it is a pleasure for me to introduce Melody Hollis. It is the year of the listener. And now, our Stable Scoop listener of the week. Well, hey, Melody, how are you? I'm good. How are you all? Good. It's so good to talk to you. Now, We unlike, I don't, I don't th- know that any of the other listeners we've had on so far I've actually met, but I've met Melody a couple times because she's come up and visited us in Lexington, Kentucky when we've been there. Yeah. Oh. It's so nice. She's now, how far? Girl. You're south of Lexington, right? You have a farm? Yep. Yeah. How I'm far? in Harrodsburg, about 45 minutes south, so just down the Bluegrass Parkway. Not too bad. Which is a pretty drive, everybody, by the way. Have I been yeah. on that drive, Glenn? No, I don't think you've been on the Bluegrass Parkway, but it's 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 a great highway because it's beautiful and there's no traffic. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a perfect highway because I basically no idea what that's like. they built a highway <laughs> to nowhere, and that nowhere was Melody's house. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know how that highway ever got built other than excess government funds. But it's beautiful. <laughs> it goes to 65 in Elizabethtown. So yeah. those are the people that mattered apparently. Yeah, Nothing the five people who travel that road. <laughs> yeah. So we're talking rural Kentucky here people. Oh yeah. Very Have you rural. always lived in Kentucky, Melody? I have. I grew up in Lexington um, and then got out of there as soon as possible. (laughs) No, I I love Lexington. It's great. Um, But the traffic has gotten horrible. So it's nice living in a little small town. Did you go to UK, right? What's that? You went to the University of Kentucky, right? I did, yeah. Yeah, What What did you study when you were there? Um, I did equine science. Of course she did. did. Yeah, I mean, what else would I have done? I know. I don't ask questions. I don't know the answer to. I think 90% of the people who listen to our shows did equine science, you know, somewhere. If if that was an option, I'm sure they did. Yep. It it was not an option when I was in college. I had to go for an environmental degree studying Uh, wildlife management. I didn't, they didn't have equine, any kind of equine program. Did they mention a horse at all during the four years? No, but I kept trying to steer the conversation <laughs> in that direction. And my professors were like, yeah, no, we're going to talk no. about maritime equine uh, yeah. ecosystems. Um, so you, but you know what though, too, I think when you grow up at some place, by the time you graduate college, you're, you're kind of like, I'm done. I need to get out of here. And even if that's just 75 miles down the road, you'd really need a change of pace. Yeah. Yeah. And I always, you know, growing up in subdivisions, I don't know how I was born this farm girl, but just I was always a farm girl at heart, Um, even though my parents aren't horsey. And, you know, my brother is definitely not outdoorsy at all. How do you not have a southern accent? I took uh, speech lessons. (laughs) She she took lessons to get rid of it. (laughs) No, I didn't. I don't know. I don't know how that that happened. Lexington is kind of a... I guess just an area where Lexington's a lot have. like Florida, actually, where there's a, so many imports. There's really no yeah. now. You hear, you do hear uh, when they come in from from rural Kentucky and work in the restaurants and stuff. You hear the very thick Kentucky yeah. accent in some places, but for the most part, there is a lot of imports there. Mm-hmm. 
And of course, the college, everybody coming in from everywhere. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, now, it's a little bit of a city environment. Now, I know this is totally off topic, but you, the University of Kentucky, a lot of people don't know, it's a very large school. Yeah. I yeah, think, you you take a bus between classes. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> it's and then you park school. three miles away. Yes, that's how it was for me at UMass. You had to take a bus between classes, and God forbid you got up late. Man, getting across campus was like you needed your own helipad. Mm -hmm. So you studied equine science, and what were what was what were you hoping to? Where were you hoping to go with that? Um, I was actually looking at vet school, Um, and I worked at Haggard um, as a vet tech while I was in college, and kind of figured out that I was not cut out for that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a little too high pressure for me. Um, yeah, and that's probably one of the most, other than Rude and Riddle, that's probably one of the most intense practices yeah, it in the was, country. It was very intense. It was a great learning experience, and I'm glad I did it. But, um, yeah, it was it was pretty scary. It was so <laughs> bad she with, drove you know, seven, million dollars. It was so bad she drove 70 miles, five miles <laughs> south and said, okay, this is where I'm going to live now. I ran away. <laughs> so were, I'm guessing then that you worked with a lot of high-ticket uh, yeah, horses and that's yeah, pressure. horses worth millions of dollars. Um, and I was I was very afraid of making a mistake. I did well, but I was just constantly terrified that I was going to make a mistake. <laughs> you know, that's something that people don't think about when you think of an equine veterinary practice, especially in the Kentucky area. You you don't I don't necessarily think about the dollar value or the yeah. economic impact of a medical practice like that when it comes to horses. A lot of us think, oh, just the well-being of the animal, not necessarily, seriously, the financial impact of one wrong move. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's when kind they of, have foals that are, you know, worth a million dollars before they even hit the ground, you know, they've got all this money and stud fees and stuff we like had that. Them, they wanna, we had them they on the other sure day they, at Haggard, and I think they told, I don't know if you heard that episode, but I think they yeah. said they do 6,000 surgeries a year. Yeah, that's a lot. Mm. The hospital there has what 120 beds. I was going to say, well, technically, I guess you could call them that. Um, they have what 120 stalls or something at the hospital. It's an incredible number. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, I can see why that was uh, why that was stressful. Tell <laughs> us about your farm now. What do you have? What critters do you have? Oh, let's see. Now I've I've pretty much pared it down to um, four dogs, a cat, and two horses which is, that's minimalist. When I started out, I just got everything. I had goats and chickens and geese. <laughs> I was like, woohoo, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> I remember those days. Yeah, yeah. So you just load up. <laughs> yeah. So why did you get rid of things like the chickens? Uh, well, unfortunately, the once the raccoons figured out I had chickens, mm. they started picking them off. You mean and the four dogs pretty... couldn't take care of the raccoons? <laughs> that's the first thing I thought. Not all of them. No. <laughs> So, I mean, I had a, a chicken fortress, but they still somehow managed to get in and get them. Your so. farm's like a war zone between the dogs eating the raccoons and the <laughs> raccoons eating the chickens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's as right, long as nobody finds skunks, then I'm happy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had 300 pounds of dog uh, have a party with a skunk once. That oh. lasted about six months. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Yeah, they, yeah. So you had, um, so you went a little nutty with with all the uh-huh. the critters. Mm-hmm. Um, what did your horse life look at this point? Horse um, life looked like. <laughs> I've got a quarter horse named Flash, 
um, who is unfortunately not rideable. She has a, a navicular problem. So she's just a pasture ornament, and I go out and love on her and groom her. And <laughs> so she's living a pretty good life. Um, and then I've got a little mare who is my driving mini. Oh, a driving mini. Yeah, she's special. <laughs> she I actually got um, as a companion for my other horse. And then soon after I got her, I realized that um, minis just blow up if they don't have exercise. <laughs> like, even on rationed hay, I was like, oh, my gosh, she's getting fat, and I can't starve her. What am I going to do? So she had to go to learn a job. Do they make and mini muzzles? That's what they I was do. thinking. They do? They what is it, like one. a coffee can with holes in it? Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she still gets fat, even with that. Even yeah. with that on. I When I had to put my horses um, in grazing muzzles, it was the most... Horribly painful, emotionally painful it thing is. for me to do. You feel so bad. And so then sometimes you worry about them. Yeah, you 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 worry about them, and you're like, oh my god, I'm starving them. I feel bad. So it really makes sense to give them a job, and and that sort of mitigates your emotional yeah, tension. Exactly, and it gave us something to do together. I think we bonded more over it. How quickly did she take to it? Really quickly. She spent um, three months in training. And, I mean, she was just gold by the time I got her home. She never gives me any problems. Um, she doesn't, if she gets startled at something, she kind of stops suddenly and then gets over it real quick. So she's not a bolter, which is good. Yeah. So she's got a good mind, and she'll pretty much go wherever I point her. So I'm guessing then that you had some driving experience before you sent her off for training. I didn't. I have been riding all my life, um, and... Uh, I think we talked about this on the driving radio show. <laughs> I just thought driving was for old, boring people. <laughs> like me. Yeah. That's right. It's See? Just like, what do they do? <laughs> you just poke around? Like, that's not fun. And then I actually tried it and was like, holy crap, this is exhilarating. Exhilarating. Now I want to try it. Well, I need yeah. to get a mini. Yeah. I need to get a rig. That's it. Now, what are you? What's different about having a mini? What do you see different? You've had horses before, so what? What challenges are there to mini other than them blowing up and you know to look like a tick? <laughs> um. Hmm. Challenges are hard. I think I would start with the pros first, okay. which is that no matter how big of a fit she throws, which she has her days. I'm never outhorsed, you know? <laughs> She's never going to yank the lead rope out of my hand and go galloping off. Like, I can always just stand there and be like, okay, hey, are you done now? Um, so that's good. <laughs> so it's a good confidence builder, I think, for anybody who's maybe intimidated by horse size. Um, so, gosh. The, okay, the downsides would be, like, you know, she doesn't have the strength and endurance to do as much as I would like to do. So, you know, I have to think, I have to take that into consideration Um, with my goals. I can't take her, you know, on a 10 mile loop (laughs) on the roads. Now, can you, you drive on the roads there. Now, if it, if it's like the other parts of Kentucky I'm familiar with in rural Kentucky, the roads are about one and a half lanes wide with no shoulder. Yeah. And that's how mine is. I, I just drive in front of my farm. I don't really go, out past that because she is so small that it would be hard for somebody to see her in time Mm. to see Mm. us in time 
Yeah. And there's no shoulders in some parts and it's windy and hilly. And so, yeah, that makes me nervous. Yeah. Do you have any high vis stuff that you can put on? I do. She's got all um, bright orange. <laughs> awesome. Stuff. Oh my God. You guys must look so cute going down the road. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, you, don't, you don't hear about endurance minis too much. Endurance yeah, driving minis. Yeah. Did you say something about endurance driving the other day? Yeah, there is. It's becoming bigger and bigger now. And actually in, near you in Indiana and Illinois is where it really started. And we have a couple of listeners that do endurance driving, and they'll they'll go out and do twenty five mile uh, drives, uh, which I think would be a lot of fun. I think endurance yeah. driving. If I was ever going to compete, that'd be one thing because you don't have to look pretty; you just have to get from beginning to end. Yeah, uh, right. I so, hadn't heard of that. Yeah, wouldn't that sound like fun? Now I don't doubt your mini is going to be a good candidate for that. No, but. I'd have to get another horse. Yeah. Darn. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another question. You know, they're little, and once you figure out a good management routine for them, do you feel yourself wanting another one? I do. I have thought about doing a pair because that would open up my options a little more. But then you have to buy another carriage, another harness, and it's expensive. So I'm just not there yet, but I think I will eventually. Can can you do a team of two with one carriage? Yes, but it yeah. takes a different type of carriage. The carriage yeah, she can. has has shafts for a single horse, and the carriages for driving two have a pole down the middle. Um. So it's a completely different carriage. And, and so basically what it means, you have to buy everything all over again. Yeah. Uh, uh, and perhaps one of the issues actually in the driving world is it is expensive. I know it's expensive yeah. to buy saddles and everything, but when you have to buy harnesses and carriages, and then if you go anywhere, you have to haul a carriage in addition to the horse. You have to think about that. Yeah. Uh, and, and if it, you yeah. really want to get into showing, you have like your dressage carriage and your... <laughs> combined driving carriage. Yeah, so you have several carriages, carriage. and then you're yeah. taking two trucks and trailers, and yeah. that's why it's you know it tends to you know they hate when I say this, but it is a rich man's sport at the upper levels because yeah. you can't do it unless. And then if you're driving a pair, you need three. If you're driving a four in hand, you need six. Yeah. So it's very expensive. Yeah, and those are nice horses too that they use. So. Yeah, and they're all matched. I just I. I can't imagine I, putting that I, together. I don't know how you're going to match your... I've seen pictures of your mini. It's going to be a tough match. <laughs> the problem <laughs> with minis is they come in all different colors. Yeah, they yeah. do. Yeah. Yours is I cute, want a though. spotted one that I can drive. Not that I know how to drive. Now you got me inspired. This <laughs> yeah. happens every time. I know. Every time. <laughs> if Helena had money, she would have a thousand horses just because we talk about them on I the know. show. Last week we were talking about standard breads. I'm like, you know what? I really should. I need a standard bread. I, I, I kind of want a standard bread, too. Yeah. Good driving horse. You could go miles for there. You could do that. Yeah. You could do marathon with that. I mean, the Yamas do it all the time. Yeah, Yeah. I bet. Yeah. I could do that. Hey, uh, we asked you what's the most adventurous place you've ever ridden, and you have an exotic one. Yeah. I I went to Hawaii with my dad and my brother when I was in high school and um, went and rode there with like a trail riding place. Um, But (laughs) this... This speaks of my horsey nature. We had the option of going to a trail ride place that let you ride on the beach, or we had the option of going to a trail ride place that let you canter on the trails. Guess which one I picked? Canter on the trails. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, I want to be able to canter. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You, you, you need a little Yahoo. 
Yeah. So, so we did that one. Looking back, I kind of wish we had ridden on the beach. But <laughs> at the time, I was just thinking about having fun. Hawaii is still there. It is still there. Yep. So yeah. you can always I, go back. I will go back. <laughs> now tell me uh, here before we get into the rapid fire questions, what shows do you listen to? And do you, do you remember how you found us? I found you all because um, <clears throat> I had just started driving and I didn't know anybody else that drove and I was like obsessed with it. I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. I just want to hear from other drivers. Um, and so I think I just went on my phone and typed in, you know, horse driving podcast and driving radio show came up. So I started with that one and then branched out. Um, I think I've pretty much listened to all of the shows. Um but the ones that I consistently listen to would be Horses in the Morning, Stable Scoop, um, Driving, and Dressage. That's, 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 a, lot. that's a lot of them. That's a lot. <laughs> I know. That's a lot of them. So, Spend a lot of time at work. Well, let's, uh, let's talk, well, let's talk a little bit real quick about where you work. I am a um, production manager at a small business called Sassabella, and um, we make all-natural body care products um, for people, um, dogs, and horses. Oh, cool. I'd never yeah. heard of Sassabella. Yeah. Have you yeah, heard of it? Yeah, it's a local yet? company. Huh. Well, you're just going to have to send some products over for us to try out. I will. I'll do that. Yeah. I just pulled up their website. They have something for Cocoa Butter Bliss for the chocolate lover. It smells really good. Oh, my. <laughs> See, that's my problem with things like this. I'm like, oh, it's all natural. Yeah, I know it's she went shower. right to the I'm food. I'm just going to take a little taste. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, on the days when I make the chocolate stuff, I have to go home and, like, bake a cake. Because I'm just like, <laughs> I've been going chocolate all day. Now, you got to get it out of your system. That <laughs> is something that uh, we'll mention right here that makes Melody, and I know this from following her on Facebook extensively, uh, that that makes Melody different than other horse girls is she loves to cook. She seems to be always cooking and doing yeah, household stuff. I bake a lot. She's like the Martha Stewart of Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, next time we come down, I want some bake something. Actually, I can't eat sugar. That won't work. Yeah. yeah, see, yeah. I can't bake without sugar. That's true. It's hard. <laughs> it's let me tell you. Ingredient. It's hard. All right. Let's get to the rapid fire questions. Are you ready, Helena? Uh, I'm ready. All right. Here okay. We go. Melody and Helena, we're going to go for the rapid fire. Here we go. Since you do like to cook, I'd be very interested in knowing what is your favorite food? Um, ice cream. Yeah. <gasps> what yes. flavor? Um, chocolate. Ooh, chocolate with peanut butter swirls. Oh, yes. Oh. All right. This, Glenn, we cannot do this favorite food question anymore. <laughs> yeah, but that then we always follow it up with least favorite food. So I know. That's true. Yeah. What's your least favorite food? Fish. Yeah, I'm with you. Oh, but it's so good for I'm you. I'm with you. Okay. I, I've tried and tried, and I it's have just... Too. Just kind of bland. Can you eat anything? Because I can't eat seafood, fish. Any If it comes out of the water, I can't oh, eat it. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, I, I pretty much, I will eat it. I just don't enjoy it. You don't enjoy it. What about like like lobster? I like it, but only because of the butter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> like anything I can dip in butter. You might yeah, as well drink, drink the butter. Save yeah, yourself $25 a pound. <laughs> you know, when you <laughs> lobster bakes, clam bakes, all that stuff are really popular here in New England. So, but you usually get a nice serving of chips when you mm. get, you know, your sort of your casual lobster dish. I dip the chips in the butter. <laughs> I, I do would that do that too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What is your biggest equestrian pet peeve? 
Um, I've been seeing this a lot on ads for horses. People will say, like, you know, he's going to be a great horse. He just needs some groceries. And I'm like, this horse is in your possession. If he needs groceries, he should be feeding him more. <laughs> it's not, not, it's not the buyer's it. responsibility to fatten him up. Right. And, or if you're going to put it up for sale, then the least you could do is put some food in his belly. Yeah. Do you have a favorite professional or celebrity equestrian? Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to go with Elisa Wallace. Mm. Oh, okay. Good one. I've been following her blog and and everything so yeah and if you like elisa wallace her husband dr timothy does the uh, horse husbands episode on horses in the morning once a month with me yeah so, i've yeah. been enjoying that too i'm one of the females. no you're not allowed to listen you haven't been listening have you melody because women are not allowed <laughs> to listen they're forbidden <laughs> women are not allowed <laughs> They're forbidden. We say it at the beginning of every episode that Except, this is a woman-free zone. I know, I know. But who's who's been like top listener? Have you done like demographic? Yeah, it's all women. I bet it's the women. Yeah, yeah it's all women. <laughs> we gotta know what y'all are saying about us. Whatever. <laughs> okay. Um, what career, Melody, would you choose? That's not. It doesn't involve horses, and, and it is different from the one you have now. I would do um, historical writing, like hmm. fiction and nonfiction. Oh, that's cool. I'm a pretty big history buff, and I like writing. So. What's your favorite historical topic? Um, I think the like 19th century America is interesting. Hmm. Yeah, it is very interesting. I, what was I, Glenn? Wasn't I just talking about that the other day? Going out west in my own caravan. Yep. And Melody, yeah. you're going to want to listen to the beginning of this episode when it comes out because we have uh, auditor, you see him all the time, Ken Hubert, uh, who's an yeah. auditor, and he's doing Horses in the Middle Ages as a segment Ooh, at the beginning of the show. Cool. So. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Um, well, see, I get so caught up in this conversation, I forget where I am. And, okay. If you won a million dollars and had to use it to go on vacation, where would you go? Um, this is not a very original answer, but I would go farm shopping. <laughs> that's good though you're the first yeah. one to say that <laughs> oh, really? I like yeah. how she considers farm shopping I know <laughs> that well, was funny I like you that. know horses would be involved in that I'm sure I'd have a little money left over <laughs> for a horse or two you that's know it's funny. so funny because this is absolutely the thing that makes horse people so lovable is that <laughs> we really we really cannot leave our horses behind no matter where we no. go no. that's funny Melody <laughs> Describe yourself, if you can, with just three words. Um, okay. Curious, absent-minded, and creative. Curious, absent-minded, and creative. What, I might argue with you, you a little bit on the absent-minded, oh. but... <laughs> no, I, I like... definitely am. It's, I embrace it. <laughs> That's because of the creative part of your brain. Yeah. See? Yeah. Yes. How exactly. we we roll. That's all right. That's, that's, you just you know what? You hook up with somebody who is not absent minded and you're good. Yeah. And just have them keep track for me. You just that's need a, a yeah. Somebody close to you who's like, Oh, I got this. Yeah. Uh what is the most terrifying thing you've ever done and would you do it again? Um, probably singing on stage in high school. 
I really wanted to be a singer at that age. Um, and then I just realized, no, no, I'm too um, terrified. <laughs> Do you sing at the shower? In the shower at home? Oh, <laughs> yeah. In the car, clean stalls, just when no one's around. I get that. Helena Un- wanted to so ask you to sing, but she resisted. No, I would never do that to you. Uh-uh. I would, but I resisted too. Glenn tries to make me his evil alter ego. He tries. And, yeah. you know, there's a secret club who knows that that's just not true. All right. I, I believe you, Helena. Thank you, Melody. See, Glenn, making friends one interview at a time. All right. If you could have one superhero power, what would it be? Uh, I think all the good ones have been taken, so I'm going to try and be original and say that um, I would like to be able to stop weeds from growing. <laughs> come to my house. If that ever comes to, have to you. I will. I mean, just think of the business I'd have. I could just go around and, like, fence rows, you know, people's oh. vegetable gardens. Be like, no, I love you, Melody. That's I so think that's the best Superhero power in the history of ever. Oh, dang. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I could just see her with her, like, little magic wand. Or something, like, little magic will come out. That's the, the million tip. dollars to go it- to go farm shopping. She could go farm shopping any. She doesn't need to win a lottery. <laughs> yeah. That's go funny. farm shopping in the Caribbean. That one caught me off guard. All right. You're always good for a chuckle, Melody. <laughs> if either of your horses could speak to you. What question would you ask them? Um, I would want to know what they call me. <laughs> like, am I am I food lady, or like, what do they think when they see me? Mm. Here she comes. What's like, your... hey girl, or <laughs> yeah, comes the food truck. <laughs> yeah. I think mine call me food truck, personal trainer, whatever. <laughs> That's very interesting. So you would really, the, the real question behind that is how, how do my horses consider me? Yeah. Relationship. I don't want to know. I know. It could be bad, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. It could be incredibly deflating. I pref- I like Here the comes that B again. Pass. That's my favorite part of this <laughs> rapid fire question thing. That was wonderful. Thank, thank you, you, Melody. Oh, thank you guys. All right. Hey, give a plug to your business. What's, what's the website? Um, it is sassabella.com. Sassabella.com. Oh, maybe it's, I should know the website, shouldn't I? Uh, SassabellaBodyCare.com. Okay, SassabellaBodyCare.com. Thank yeah. you, Melody. Thank, Thank you. you, guys. Bye. Hello, folks. Uncle Jimmy here, and welcome to the world of Uncle Jimmy brand products, where funny names mean serious products. Featuring Uncle Jimmy Squeezy Buns, the squeezably soft hand treat that your horse will love, the award-winning Uncle Jimmy's Hanging Balls, Uncle Jimmy's Sugar-Free Ball, the incredible Licky Thing, also in sugar-free. The amazing Uncle Jimmy's Pecker Wrecker and the Big Licky. The infamous Uncle Jimmy Hanging Ball was first designed by me for my own horses to help reduce the bad habits which come from stall boredom. It now can be found around the world. This nutritious flavored filled boredom buster will help keep your horses occupied and happy around the clock. Properly hung, It will last for weeks, provided you don't let your horse pin it, and Uncle Jimmy knows who you are. The ball comes in four flavors, apple, carrot, peppermint, molasses, and now sugar-free. 
Once again, welcome to the world of Uncle Jimmy's brand products, where funny names mean serious products, and satisfaction is 100% guaranteed. Well, Helena, we have some exciting news here for the Tack and Habit segment of our show, the sh- part of the show where we review a product every week. We're going to get some help in a couple of weeks because horselovers.com is the one of the largest shopping sites on the internet, is coming on as our title sponsor starting in April. We're very excited about that. They're a good partner to have, and they're also going to help us with products to review for our Tack and Habit segments. So that's always been a bit of a challenge for Helena and I to keep up with that and uh so we're gonna get some help with that but it'll still be you know us reviewing the products and uh getting a little help along the way like we always have but thanks to horselovers.com for becoming our title sponsor it's the first title sponsor we've had in a while too so i'm very excited that they're coming on board uh here at the stable scoop radio show which by the way is still the flagship show of the horse radio network and what we mean by that it was the first go flagship Go flagship. That's right. We own Is it. that what flagship means? I've always said that Stable Scoop was the flagship show, not really knowing what flagship meant. So flagship is sort of the, um, I don't know the history of it, which is really sad, but in um, in my previous career as a product manager, we every time you'd roll out, we, so your company is kind of based on one primary product, and that was the leading central product. Um and did they so, call that the flagship product? Yeah, so there's a flagship store, there's a flag, flagship product. Does it mean first? In Okay, here we go. In a maritime fleet, the ship occupied by the fleet's commander, usually an admiral, and it denotes this by flying Just his flag. Just call me Admiral Glenn. That is awesome. <laughs> Just call Dude, me Admiral Geek. <laughs> that is all. Okay, so with you know the New England Podcast Network, our flagship show is that Newport show. Ha! That's perfect because it's got all the maritime connotations. Oh, yeah, it does. But, you know, when you think – one of the things that I really like about boat people and horse people is that our brains work the same way. Only instead of horses, boat people are in love with their boats and the water. So their boats are like their tack and the water has the same kind of brain and activity and unpredictability that you get with a horse. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're sailing around the Caribbean, that's like plodding around on a big old warm blood or draft. But if you're tackling like a transatlantic ocean race from, I don't know, Bermuda to Europe or something, that's more like riding a thoroughbred you know, or the Tevis Cup. Now, you, you, you also are near. Is Newport close enough to Mystic Seaport that you'll cover things like that on the show, too, by the way? Probably not Mystic. Yeah, but that's a neat place, though. If anybody's if I, ever in New England, stop at Mystic Seaport. If I do get there, if I do get there, uh, everything we do will be on the show. That's, yeah. It's just like here. You can do but, that in the that Connecticut show. Or, oh, yeah. Or is that Rhode Island Mystic? No, Rhode Island. I mean, um, Mystic is in Connecticut. Yeah. Well, if anybody else that out there wants to start that Connecticut show... Give me a call. Or that Vermont <laughs> show or that New Hampshire show or that, that Massachusetts show well, Boston, or that Maine show. Did I cover them all? <laughs> I know. There's only a couple of states up here. If you have a show, if you live in New England, yeah. <laughs> pick a city, let me know. We'll put it on the network. Yeah, there you go. That Portland show. Uh, Portland show. Yeah, we're, we're currently thinking about you know the some of the other cities. Vermont is definitely on the docket and... Um, it's going to either yeah, gonna Vermont. Be you could just Hampshire. do one show because it's inhabited by uh, the, the whole population of Vermont's about the size of one city. So it's true for yeah. being so close to some other major 
majorly populated areas, Vermont. But some very cool stuff in Vermont, though. Very cool. You know, Vermont is an innovation leader, I think, in a lot of things. Obviously, um, environmentally, but socially and even culturally. There's a lot of really good things that come out of Vermont. Um, I, the most time I spent there was skiing like a maniac when I was a ski instructor. So <laughs> I spent a lot of time, a lot of time a lot of, and out. also hiking in the, in the summertime. But New Hampshire is known as the place where you can leave Massachusetts and go to. Uh, New Hampshire takes all the people who are sick of paying taxes in Massachusetts and they, they take them in. I say New Hampshire is like the South in the North. It's, it's that. It kind of is, actually. Yeah, you're yeah. right. It, it's got you're a little right. more... And they have no uh, sales tax, so everybody that uh, wants to buy stuff from Massachusetts drives New Hampshire. <laughs> right, right. And booze. There's something with the That's booze. That's why the uh, Dover store. Isn't it Dover that was always right across the line in New Hampshire because people could go up there and get their tack? You could go up or there and get their tack. Or was it State Line? I can't forget. which The one of them is right across the border oh, there. Oh, State Line was right across yes, the border. Yes, it was right across the border. Right Remember, right on the border? Right, yeah. right, right, right. And then Dover, then Dover became, State Line became Dover. That's right. And Something like that. that. I should yeah. know because I was there, during, I was in their bargain basement sales. Like, That's right. Up stuff like, I'll tell you. There was, that, there was a couple things right there. Remember the, the liquor store, everybody from Massachusetts would go up and buy cartfuls of liquor. Yeah, and, it was state, yeah. it's state-run liquor stores. It's How's right. that? Yeah, so they went up there, bought the liquor, because they could buy it tax-free, and then whenever yep. bought tack, and you tack. went home with all your tack and booze all in the car. It's a true, <laughs> New England is a true horseman's dream. <laughs> it's The Dover store is in Plastow, New Hampshire. Yeah, That's which was right Plastow, across the border, right? Yep. Yeah. And literally right over the border, and yes, and that used to be state. Yeah, there's like a, there, I remember, I remember that road distinctly. It was a, to the left. You made a left as you came across. At the fork. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You made a yeah. left, and there was liquor store after liquor store and pawn shop after pawn shop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there's the pawn shops, the liquor stores, probably a strip club, and Dover. Right there. <laughs> Just, what else do you need, really? I mean, really? Every vice right in a row. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you what you need is someone who can service your trailer because you're driving through with your horses. And your total life in the back of your truck, that's probably the only other thing you'd be. Uh, oh, how did we memories. get off on this? I tangent? don't know. Let's oh, wrap up the flagship. show. <laughs> Wait, that is how one word, flagship, can be taken off on the scenic right. route to nowhere. <laughs> to booze and alcohol and, and now, there's an idea. Stores, yeah. There's an idea for a show. The yeah. scenic route to nowhere with Glenn and Helena. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it, everybody. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back again next week with another listener for a listener highlight. And, uh, you know, we also want you to f- listen on our app. Just go to the App Store, iOS or Android, and search for Horse Radio Network. It's free and it's easy to use. And be sure to visit all the other great shows on the network. You know, we have nine total now. You can find them at horseradionetwork.com. If you haven't given it a chance, try out our newest show, Healthy Critters Radio. It's a lot of fun. Talks about dogs and horses and all the different critters and, and, and talks a lot about how to feed them properly and how to take care of them. They always have a breed highlight every week, and I love listening to that, about the different breeds and, and what they should be eating and, and, and that kind of thing. And basically, uh, whole foods are the way to go, is what we've learned. And right now, our cat is eating whole foods because he's such a picky little bugger. Um, that's all he'll eat anymore. So oh. so we cook for the... Actually, Jennifer cooks for the cat because I refuse to cook every night for us and the cat. So now Jennifer is taking up cooking for the cat. Jennifer she won't cook for me, but she cooks for the cat. Well, <laughs> the beast demands it. That's right. What else? Uh, you can find Helena at? 
You can find me at Helena at horseradionetwork.com. My email follows me everywhere I go. And you know what? I really love to hear from you. I don't care what you have on your mind. Send it in. I'd love to hear from you. That's it for this week. That was plenty, but there will be more next week. Until then, my friends, happy scooping. <laughs>